0: welcome 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 to the bonus distraction pieces friday episode um how you all doing guys this is episode 406 um i did this a few weeks back i'll explain in case you missed the one i did a few weeks back but um i get asked a lot to get paid to do a thing called a feed drop which is where an episode will pay you to put an episode of their podcast a podcast will pay you to put an episode of their podcast in your feed and I've never ex- accepted any of them because I've never had in any that I feel are a good fit or a perfect fit for, for my audience. I think I'm selective on my podcasts and I don't like things being forced upon me. But I did think the feed drops are really good g- good idea for broadening your listening range and all that kind of thing. So I thought, I'm going to select some and not get paid for it, (laughs) just select some podcasts. I'm selecting ones I've also been involved in, so that it's not this big jump from what you've actually tuned in for, so it's not kind of, hi, I'm Scribius Pip, here's the Donald Trump podcast, you know, it's not that. Um, So so this week's one, it's a podcast I was the co-host of for a long time, but now dr susie gage does different ones and it came out of distraction pieces it's called say why to drugs and the idea after i had dr susie gage on my podcast we discussed her just doing a podcast that picks a different drug each episode and gives an unbiased breakdown not not pro drugs not anti-drugs and just tells you about them and we came up with that idea or susie came up with that idea and i kind of i helped her along the way and we didn't know where it'd go like these episodes have been used in schools, have been used in colleges, um, have been used by parents to play to their kids, to educate them on drugs, because it's a better route than drugs are bad type thing. Uh, So yeah, it's kind of special. And And Susie then went on to write a Say Why to Drugs book, which has been a huge seller, huge success. It's available now. The first episode was Cannabis, the second episode was tobacco the fourth episode was mdma and then ketamine psychedelics cocaine everything you can think of nitrous oxide everything that you can think of drugs wise has been covered along the way caffeine heroin and amphetamines poppers e-cigarettes even so there's all that stuff but the one i thought i'd go for to play you today is one of the biggest episodes it's alcohol and the reason i chose this is it's such a big part of our society and such a big part of distraction pieces because of the drunk casts, right? We've done a a drunk cast for for years, although we always talk about how we're not drinking all the time. I mean, on the recent one, we tried to to take it easy. Chris got a bit carried away. You know, even though we push any of that across, what is going to stick with people is the idea of the drunk cast. So this felt like a good one to talk to, to Susie about and again I'm there my, my role in the episodes is that a lot of the drugs that we talk about at some point in my life I've done <laughs> so Susie is there as the doctor who's done research in each of these drugs and I'm there as the one to go well here's what is good about it here's what appeals and we and we cover all of that again it's not just a let's talk about why this drug is bad we talk about why each of them drugs is good because that's honest. you got to give the appeal. People aren't doing them because they're horrible. There's there's going to be an appeal, but we talk about the risks, the facts, the myths, the impacts, all of these things. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy this. The podcast started in, in 2016. There's a whole load of episodes on on Susie's feed for that. Just search Say Why to Drugs if you want to listen to more of them. And there's some new ones on the way, I think. Susie has obviously been incredibly busy bringing a child into the world and keeping it alive um but yeah there's plans there's plans afoot i believe anyway let's get on with it this is the feed drop of say white to drugs alcohol
1: Hello and welcome to episode three of Say Why to Drugs, the podcast where we discuss a different recreational drug each episode with no hyperbole, no spin, no judgment, just information. I'm Susie Gage, a researcher interested in recreational drug use and mental health. If you're new to the podcast, Episode one was about cannabis and episode two was about tobacco and they're both on Acast and iTunes and other places. And if you're a returning listener, thank you very much for coming back. In this episode, Pip and I are talking about a substance that's by far the most commonly used substance, certainly in the UK. In fact, it's barely considered a drug at all. Even in academia, we often refer to drugs and alcohol as if alcohol doesn't fit in the former category. But alcoholic drinks from absinthe to uzo, do have psychoactive effects and they're very much drugs. And today, Scroobius Pip and I say why to alcohol. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about alcohol. Let's. Ethanol and water and sugar, for the most part, that's Mm -hmm. what alcohol is. Fermented hops, grains, berries, all sorts of things. And historically, very much a part of UK culture. Hugely, yeah, definitely. weak beer used to be safer to drink than water because it was boiled in the fermenting process so you'd sort of get rid of some of the potential nasty bugs in in water
0: it's safer and more fun (laughs) would would be kind of the (laughs) perception there i'm sure
1: although that said um drunkenness has been a crime since the elizabethan times so sort of the harms of drunkenness have been been known for a long time there's been an
0: awareness of it Mm.
1: so what's the appeal of alcohol
0: Right. Again, it's it's weird because growing up in Essex, I didn't, there didn't even need to be a specific explained appeal. It was just that's what you do. On a night out, you get drunk as quickly as possible. And it wasn't, I'm not a big drinker now. I drink probably once or twice a month. And it was a big realization. In fact, there was a point where I was going out with, um, someone who was, was was teetotal and was fine with me drinking but was a recovering alcoholic but was was okay with that and it was interesting that on any night out where a drinker was an option I'd think about it for the first time and that hadn't been the thing for so many years it was just well no we're on a night out so we'll be drinking whereas this it was like do I fancy a drink and I found personally that 90% of the time I didn't and that's what made me kind of c- cut down hugely but as said growing up that was just that huge social pressure. The aim for us was to be drunk before we got to a club yeah. or got to a pub. It wasn't even a, to go out and drink. It was like, right, we're not, again, growing up in, in a working-class atmosphere. It was like, right, we need to get drunk at home first or on the train or on the bus and then we can enjoy our night cheap and be and be drunk because we've already achieved our goal of drunkenness.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. It's, it's, it's really ingrained, certainly, in British culture. mm mm-hmm. And sort of at all levels of society as well. It's in a different way, perhaps, but it's something that really is, it's unusual not to do it to the point where if you go out with your friends and you're not drinking, people will ask you why. Like, imagine if you went out to a club and uh, like, well, why aren't you taking MDMA? Like, why aren't you taking mushrooms tonight? Well, you don't have to. (laughs) But alcohol is very much, there's such a sort of peer pressure or just an assumption that if you're out in the pub, you'll be drinking
0: it really is and it's a fascinating one T- to the extent I had a mate who was trying to cut down on his drinking um a while back and I advised him on nights out to say that he's teetotal mm-hmm. to say that because generally if you're a, a recovering alcoholic then people will leave it at that if you say I'm trying to cut down on my drink 10 minutes I later be like come on just have another one it's like even though someone has said I'm actively trying to cut down I'd be like don't be a dick just have a have a shot have a quick shot it's yep. like that's a bizarre thing a thing right because again if you're doing it for your health or Mm. for mental reason or 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 personal reasons there's nothing else that you'd have people argue against so much you know
1: well yeah and if you're a woman if you're a woman you get oh are you pregnant yeah yeah (laughs) i'm just not having a drink i'm (laughs) just
0: not having a drink and then
1: even if even if you are pregnant you still get oh well you can have one you can Mm. have one can't you sort of well I could have one but do I want to have one and it's very it's so ingrained in when you're out of an evening you will be drinking it's
0: it's, it's, it's truly intriguing and 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 not to to stay on this first point for too long but it truly is intriguing because again i guess you asked initially what the appeal is the appeal of alcohol is being drunk yeah. and and the good bit of drunk there's bad bits of drunk but there is no denying there's a points where it's a very enjoyable mm. even if it's a tipsy it's a nice feeling but it's always confused me when driving somewhere and I say I'm, I'm not drinking because I'm driving and people again will say oh you can have one but, yeah. it's like, but why would I want yeah. one because as we established in 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 other episodes that first time you have alcohol it's not that enjoyable an experience so although it grows on you and you enjoy it most there's a lot of soft drinks that you'll probably just on a flat basis enjoy more than having that one so for me if I'm driving it's always been well no, I don't want any cuz the point of drinking is to get drunk. I'm driving so I don't want to be drunk. So why would I want one to <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, mm. it's a bizarre one, but it is again it's exactly that it'll be confusion at the fact that you don't want to consume alcohol or that alcohol isn't the default.
1: And that's the way our sort of pubs and bars are set up as well. It's as expensive to go out and drink soft drinks as it is to go out and drink alcohol.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Which in in my opinion isn't ideal.
0: Yeah, certainly
1: yeah. doesn't completely. encourage uh, moderation. No, yeah. n-
0: no, completely. And again, it'll be cheaper at points unless you're on tap water or whatever. But but it'll be cheaper at points because of clubs and pubs based around drinks promotions. Mm-hmm. I've n- I've never seen a pub that has a big drinks promotion on of four pints of coke yeah. for yeah. a fiver or whatever it is. It, the drinks promotions will only ever be on alcohol to go quick, drink as much as you can.
1: Occasionally around Christmas, you get a designated driver. Um, Right, thing yeah, where you can a get promo. a free soft drink but it's a free soft drink yeah yeah um it's certainly not the way that alcohol is promoted
0: yeah it's fascinating
1: i think there's another type of appeal of alcohol as well and that's a kind of drinking to cope right yeah. so people who find alcohol a way to unwind mm-hmm. after a hard day and that kind of thing yeah certainly but perhaps that's a later appeal after you've become Sort of habituated to using alcohol in that way, and
0: for me, for some reason, it's a more it's a more worrying one because it starts to feel that it's not a treat, it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and the 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 drinking to get drunk, I understand that, but I also feel you're going to get to a certain age where you go right, I can't handle this anymore, or it's too much, or whatever else. Whereas the drinking to relax of an evening and whatever else, even if it's one or two, I don't know. F- for me personally, I see that as more worrying, and. I'm a tough person to discuss alcohol because I don't have an addict. I seem to not have an addictive personality in any way. So when I decided to stop, it wasn't a problem, yeah. and so on and so forth. I also don't get hangovers, which annoys all my mates that I don't drink much because they're like, when we do our drunk podcasts every now and then on distraction piece, we do them every other month. On the last one, I drank I think three quarters or at least two thirds of a bottle of gin, which was. A lot in a in, in an <laughs> evening, but everyone was like, "How were you the next day?" And I was I was fine because I don't get hangovers. Which I said, mm. it's it's an odd situation for me because I choose to not drink. But if I wanted, I could probably be a great alcoholic. Yeah. I, could, I could be a really good alcoholic because of that, not hangovers. But hangovers aren't the only physical effect, obviously.
1: Mm. OK, so that's a good bring us into the effects of alcohol.
0: That was smooth, right? Thanks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's an intoxication effect of alcohol. I yep. think um, that's pretty obvious yep. if you've ever taken it or if you've ever seen someone who yeah. has. And there are very few people who haven't seen someone else drunk.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: So uh, it ha- has an effect after about 10 minutes, up to an hour to get into the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. And then it can stay. you can stay intoxicated for quite a while, particularly as the way that we tend to drink in society is over the period of a whole evening generally you'll still be at peak intoxication sort of about an hour or so after your last drink yeah so this and that's
0: another a fascinating thing of the the culture is there's no there's never a cut off i've I, i when i was drinking more i'd regularly get to a point where i'm drunk as i want to be Switch over to soft drinks or switch over to something else, and that's an anomaly. That's Mm. the bizarrest thing. But again, that should be a more acceptable thing, right? If there's anything that you're taking or consuming, if you feel you're at a good level, then that's probably where you should responsibly go. Right? That's enough. I don't want to be throwing up in an alleyway. Um,
1: Although this is where the effects of alcohol come into play, because so at a low dose, you feel relaxed, your inhibitions are lowered, it reduces. Feelings that you might have of social anxiety, yeah. But the lowering of the inhibition or the potential increase of taking risky behaviours means yeah. that it's much harder to judge when you've had enough after you've had a bit.
0: In many ways, it f- it feeds itself, and it's exactly. why people will go out. F- I'm only going out for one or two, but up. that's you made that decision when you were sober. Yeah. Now you're not and after as sober. A, a drink
1: or two drinks suddenly no more drinks seem silly. So you carry on and
0: then you get loss
1: of motor control, you start slurring your words. Mm -hmm. And again, the lowering of the inhibitions can Mm -hmm. mean that potentially more problematic behaviours. There's some evidence that it might increase your aggression. This isn't particularly good evidence at the moment, but there is more evidence that perhaps you misinterpret cues from other people. So this might be why you get fights outside pubs, because you see someone with a neutral face, but in your state of not being able to interpret that, neutral is not smiling and therefore aggressive right that's he's fascinating. looking at me funny she's yeah. looking at me funny so perhaps that could be one reason why it seems like there's this association with aggression because people are just misinterpreting yeah. other people
0: is is there any actual evidence that Stella Artois specifically <laughs> makes you more violent because again it's weird that there's a, specific I'm... things that they're that are so associated with oh I, 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 I've, I've got mates who will say I can't drink st- st- Stella tonight because I get aggressive on Stella, y- yeah. y- yet they'll drink another beer that's exactly the same. That's surely just a, s- a social imprint on a thing. So you, you because in your head you're going to get m- more aggressive on it, yeah. it, it's self-perpetuating.
1: I always thought that was due to a streetcar named Desire. Just
0: right, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. Right,
1: yeah. But uh, no, as far as I know, there's no um, particular reason to vilify Stella. <laughs> um <laughs> It's probably more to do with cost um, and that sort of thing rather than content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're drunk, you're more likely to engage in risky behaviours. This is why people might decide to drive home after they've had too much to drink because their ability to make those kind of decisions has been diminished. It's why alcohol use is associated with sexually transmitted diseases and unwanted pregnancies because you take more risky behaviours when you're drunk. Um, in terms of effects on the brain, it's really difficult to quantify because alcohol is a really, it's called a sort of dirty drug, a global drug, because it affects quite a lot of different neurotransmitters, almost all of them, right. across the whole of the brain, which means that why it can look like a stimulant and a depressant at the same time right. because it has differing effects at different quantities and on different areas of the brain.
0: That's fascinating.
1: Which means its it can be sometimes quite hard to predict what yeah. effect it's going to have.
0: Because it seems to be jumping about every area and turning light switches on and, yeah, you don't know what's going to affect what. Mm. That's fascinating.
1: So in terms of sort of harms then, there's harms to the individual, there's harms to society as well from alcohol. And because alcohol is used by so many people and potentially used in quite an extreme way, as you said, people drink to get drunk. Mm -hmm. And when people are drunk they are at higher risk of doing silly things, yeah. vandalism, potentially um, fights and yeah. and risky behaviours like sexual behaviours and that kind of thing as yeah, well. of course. So all of these things sort of add up. The police of an evening generally are spent their time dealing with drunk
0: For people. With drunk people, of yeah. course, yeah. It's, it's, it's a fascinating one how how acceptable all of it is and 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 how how British as well because obviously we probably haven't got time to go into this in huge detail but as soon as you go into Europe you tend to see alcohol consumption being a completely different thing a far more measured and far more reasoned and controlled thing whereas it seems so British that it's drink as much as quickly as possible regardless of any changes in in licensing laws and times and things like that it just still seems to be it's to get drunk rather than to enjoy a drink.
1: It's embarrassing as well. Like, if you if you go to mainland Europe with a group of British people, um, yeah. people look at you like, oh, God, here they yeah, come. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and, and rightfully so. It's, it's, it's a prejudice that you kind of feel, well, I'm not like that. But, it's like, but I get why you feel that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you can't argue with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you certainly see it in, in Bristol where I live on, on a weekend if you mm. go out. On a Friday or Saturday night in the centre of town you will probably get shouted at by groups of people who are drunk who are just having a good time
0: I, I, I recently walked into a pub I had a quick drink on a Friday night and it wasn't until we were, I was literally walking in the door that I, that I realised it's the first time I've been out in that sense on a Friday or Saturday night in years, and it's because of exactly that. It's, it's because of exactly that situation. And, and, gr- and growing up again, where I live in Essex, there's a lot of trouble in the pubs on Fridays and, s- and Saturday nights. All the pubs around my way, if I was in there on those nights, it, there's a good chance either I would get in some trouble or I would see some trouble. Therefore, it didn't appeal. And it wasn't until I was out, I was like, all oh, right, yeah. There's loads of people acting like these are the nights it's acceptable to act mm. act outrageous.
1: I always think it's particularly dangerous in Bristol because that kind of area is right by the water.
0: Yeah, so it's, yeah. Of it's course, not and a great location. Again, they've put particularly on the water in Bristol along the canals. like There's so many of the bars and 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 the clubs mm. right on the waterfront yeah. that seems like a bizarre choice. Mm. <laughs> Stick them all at the bottom... Oh no! Again, it's at the bottom of the hill. So you're coming down the hill into the water. This <laughs> yeah. is just deadly. This is Bristol's
1: just a badly designed. Yeah, city, they've, they've basically. put that together poorly.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> all right. So let's move on to the long-term effects of yes. alcohol. Alcohol addiction is certainly a problem, and tolerance to alcohol builds up over time, which can be really dangerous as well. So it means that when you when you become dependent on alcohol you drink you need to drink much more to get a similar kind of effect and then if you try and quit and take a break when you then come back to it if you then start drinking at the same level that you previously been drinking your tolerance will have decreased and you run real danger of of really overdosing on alcohol which can be incredibly dangerous yeah
0: i mean this it's 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 the variation of it that makes it a really tough one because people will lie to themselves and people will say well I'm kind of all right to drive after two or three. I'm I'm big, I'm yeah. tall, and and I've had the, again. I've been had that suggested to me before. It's like, oh, you, I, you can you can probably have a few and drive home because I'm tall. It's mm. like no, I I, I, work, I, I can't. It? But again, it is that weird thing because someone at some point will have built up their resistance and been tested or breathalyzed or something and not popped. Do you know what I mean? When they're over what they would have thought they should have been, mm. and it yeah, it just builds all these myths because as you said, it's so it's so variable. The the risk there and the yeah, yeah the susceptibility.
1: But as well as that kind of that problem and there are physical withdrawal symptoms as well you run the risk of seizures and, and this kind of thing as well. Heavy alcohol use over a long period of time is associated with a lot of physical health problems. Mm, I mean we sure. probably know liver cirrhosis is a big problem because alcohol breaks down into acetaldehyde um, which is really quite toxic and it, it breaks down and these these sort of it carries on breaking down and then eventually leaves the body, but your liver is under a lot of having to do all this breaking down of the chemicals, so it's it's really dangerous to the liver. It's also been shown to to cause a number of cancers, there's liver cancer, breast cancer, bowel cancer mouth cancer and throat cancer. And again, it's like smoking. It's this cancer's where where the substance goes and breast cancer as well, which seems to be associated with alcohol and tobacco. Now, it's not necessarily the same degree of harm as smoking is for lung cancer. So these cancers aren't as common, so it might raise the risk of cancer a little bit. It might raise the risk of cancer quite a bit, but the underlying risk isn't very high. Or in the case of breast cancer, where the underlying risk is a bit higher, it might raise the risk a bit more. But it is it is a a potential problem as well yeah. it's causally associated with these cancers, even if the overall risk isn't that high, it still is adding to your
0: risk It's an interesting one and, and alcohol seems to be the only one that gets um myths or propaganda on both sides in the media that you'll often get turns out new research says that a glass of red wine every night reduces your risk of this, oh, and then we'll next come time on to it'll that be this and yeah, yeah yeah yeah, we'll get on control of them, <laughs> but yeah. It's a fascinating one that is weird that it is, it's one of the few that seems to get the positive myths as well as the negative or
1: Well, I think that also has a lot to do with the way that it's used in our culture. Yeah. It would be it would be really nice to believe that there was some benefit from a, a little bit of alcohol because it's something that we almost all of us do.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's like again it's weird it's the two that seem to have it are alcohol and chocolate they'll find a way to say chocolate dark mm -hmm. chocolate it's good for you in this world it's like that's just we're just choosing things that we enjoy and going here's why you don't have to feel guilty about it you know
1: yeah absolutely silliness Mental health, alcohols associated with depression and anxiety, potential memory problems, increase in stress. And again, this comes with all the usual caveats of it's really hard to do this research because, well, for a start, it's very difficult to find people who don't drink to use as control groups yeah. for these kind of studies. And we'll come on to that in myth-busting in a second as well. But as I mentioned before as well, long-term potential, or not necessarily long-term effects, but risk of STDs and unwanted pregnancies mm-hmm. is also a-
0: it's, it's an interesting one because it seems to be the one that has the highest mental and physical or impact on mental and physical. Mm-hmm. It seems a lot of the other drugs will either be heavily weighted in the mental area yeah. and not much of a physical effect or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And this but it seems to be one that's like no, kind of as you said how it's almost a dirty bomb in the brain that it activates so many areas. Yeah. It seems like that on all on the whole body it mm-hmm. runs around everywhere going <laughs> like what can I i mess up essentially (laughs) or or, or what can i affect i'm not trying to again it's weird because it sounds like of all of the episodes this is the one that we're hating on the drug the most so in some context i need to add that i have like a a bi-monthly drunk podcast where we drink so it's not that it's that it's just the fact is these podcasts where what we do is we talk about the actual facts there yeah so if it feels like we're particularly hating on one substance that's because of the actual facts it's a tough one you know
1: yeah, I mean, my sort of philosophy on all of these things is do what you want but don't kid yourself about yeah. the risks.
0: Know what the risks are yeah. and know what it is there.
1: And as long as you feel like you're informed, then that's all that's all that you can be really. You yeah. Shouldn't like, hyperbole doesn't help anyone, no, but no. equally pretending that alcohol is fine when it's not doesn't help anyone either. No. No.
0: Yeah.
1: Speaking of which, myth busting. Yes. So, number 1 Red wine is good for you.
0: Right, yep. Hear that all the time.
1: Yeah. So there's a particular chemical in red wine called resveratrol or resveratrol, and there've been some cell-based studies that have suggested that this might potentially be beneficial in yeah. in terms of cancer, but as we've already said, alcohol causes six types of cancer. Yeah. So even if it turns out that this resveratrol could be a cancer treatment that doesn't mean that red wine is. Because yeah. for a start you'd have to drink red wine in, in buckets to get the quantity that has been shown in these cell studies. Right, of and course. It's not like that's it's not the recommended only you drink thing. it in buckets. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go. It's not the only thing in alcohol so any net benefit from this substance will be reversed due to all the other things in alcohol that might be causing harm. You
0: see that's interesting because again we're seeing a theme over all of these things that if you find a one thing that they can isolate and say is a positive thing it's ignoring all the other things in there that are are cancelling that out completely purely for an excuse to post an article that people can repost saying i'll drink to that and so on and so forth as as will happen with any of these studies that say they've found a small bit in red wine that isn't killing you
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it would be lovely if it was true but certainly the evidence at the moment really doesn't suggest that Potentially, we might find out in the future that resveratrol is good. But even so, I think it's very unlikely that a glass of red wine a night will be will be yeah. encouraged. And then the second myth, and this is more hotly debated, I think, is that those who drink a small amount are healthier than people who don't drink at all. And this is something that you hear quite a lot about certainly in terms of heart disease and stroke risk. Because when we do these kind of epidemiological studies, so we observe people, how much they choose to drink, and then look at their risk for various health outcomes, we get this weird-shaped curve. It's called a J-shaped curve. So it suggests that people who have no alcohol consumption have a higher risk of these things than people who have a very small amount of alcohol consumption. And then the risk really, really increases with heavier use. Mm -hmm. And... Most people, certainly a lot of researchers, think that this is a weird statistical anomaly right. because it's not, there's no sort of theoretical biological reason why this might be the yeah. case. But there are plenty of reasons why there might be what we call confounding. So, differences between people who don't drink and people who drink a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, people who don't drink may have quit drinking because they were ill or alcoholic or various reasons they might have yeah, been formative. Yeah, potential,
0: cases. not damage already done, but something wrong there that's that's forced them yeah. to not drink.
1: And you try and exclude those people,
0: obviously, mm-hmm. because
1: they will definitely lead Screw to that the, kind of yeah, a weird of picture. Course. And that does reduce it a little bit, but still it looks like there's this protective effect. There are other differences between people who've chosen to never drink Um, might have done so because of family history, for example. Yeah. Or potentially there are... um class differences as well the people who drink a small amount are likely to be the most affluent people Mm -hmm. they're likely the people who drink don't not drink at all but don't drink really really to excess are are likely to be the people who've had had it the easiest throughout their lives basically and you can see why this might then make them look healthier than people who don't drink at all perhaps these people who don't drink at all can't afford to drink and Mm -hmm. therefore um have had a difficult life throughout their life already yeah so it's really, really difficult to take this into account. And because there aren't that many people who don't drink at all, it's really hard to get a clear picture here.
0: To, to, yeah, to get a good a good gauge on that. Is, mm. it, it's an odd one because, as you said, there's so many influencing factors. The family history was an interesting one because you've said before that so much of these things can be genetic yeah. or in the genomes or whatever else so therefore this person could already be susceptible to illness that's that's related to these things and that's why therefore yeah it kind of it cancels itself yeah. out
1: and in fact when people have tried to look at these data in using different methodologies and one of these methodologies is to use genotypes so genetic risk as a proxy instead of actually measuring alcohol use, you look at someone's genome and predict whether they're likely to have been an alcohol user or not. So it's like another way to kind of interrogate the data. And these findings have not shown this J-shaped curve. They've suggested alcohol at any level is likely just, to increase yeah,
0: risk yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And again, these, these aren't perfect studies either. There are plenty of limitations to them. But the idea is you try and answer the same question in, in a variety of different methodologies. And if they all point, in the same direction then sure. you've got a much stronger evidence because they, they've all got limitations but they've all got different limitations yes yeah. so this is something that's still being researched and maybe it will be the case that a tiny amount of alcohol will reduce your risk of stroke but this you don't see these j-shaped curves in associations with cancer for example yeah. so it's very very difficult to unpick this and this is something that came out when the alcohol guidelines changed a few months ago yeah it's trying to take this j-shaped curve and there was a big mathematical model built by some researchers at sheffield university and they actually included this potential protective effect in their modeling but they still found that for the vast majority of people alcohol at any level is harmful i think they actually found that a tiny amount of alcohol in women over 60 might be beneficial yeah but When you find these really weird subgroup patterns, like it looks like it's protective, but in a very small group of people, and particularly when these people are older, you start to really question sort of whether that means it's a true effect or or an artefact. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, there's there's so much that could have affected that. Mm. Again, the older you are, the longer you've lived, therefore the more things that could be contributing to this, this factor.
1: Yeah, and maybe just people have already died again
0: yeah so, yeah all right yeah of course. so they're missing
1: from those data yeah so it's a difficult one to say whether it's a myth or not but certainly there is some debate in academic circles but i think the majority of researchers now think that it's not really safe at any and level.
0: it's kind of safe to say that the illnesses that might have this j curve that could be right it could be wrong but there's loads of other illnesses, like I said, cancer and things like that. Mm. It's definitely
1: and liver disease, it's de- yeah, yeah, and liver
0: disease. That it's definitely there's no. It's definitely making it worse. So that small chance of reducing strokes, which is probably wrong, but you know, the, if it's well, there, it's this, yeah. it's this potential yeah. thing that. That's, you might be getting a small chance of reducing a stroke by increasing your chance of, of numerous kinds things, of cancers yeah. and kidney uh, problems
1: and it's a big problem because when you want to help people make informed decisions to say well actually we don't know it yeah. feels like a cop-out but it's the honest yeah, answer and yeah. that's all that you can do you yeah. have to think just have to weigh up those those yeah. choices yeah. yeah
0: we don't know on that one here's the bits mm. we do know but yeah, yeah
1: yeah okay so now i've got this isn't a myth. There is one really, really big important benefit of alcohol. Right. And probably every time you've been in a hospital, you'll have made use of it. Right. Yep. Hand sanitizer. Yes. So you don't drink it though. No. No.
0: <laughs> but again, I guess for sterilisation and everything else, alcohol's yeah for throughout for, for history been a kind mm-hmm. of key part of that.
1: Personally, I also find this a little bit worrying. That like alcohol's so strong that it kills germs, and yet we drink
0: it. <laughs> yeah a beneficial fact that we can find on alcohol is that it kills it kills kills all germs.
1: That's Mm. that's good. Although there's another potential benefit which I sort of mentioned in the introduction. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether this is a kind of urban legend or whether it actually happened, but um, there's a guy called uh, John Snow, not Mm -hmm. that John Snow or that John John Snow. Snow, Not either Um, of those John Snows. (laughs) And he is quite often credited with kind of inventing the field of epidemiology, so population research. Right. And he did this by... There was a cholera outbreak in Soho, Mm -hmm. and he mapped where all of the cases of cholera were on a map of Soho and realised that it was all triangulating around this water pump in the middle of Soho on Broad Street. Right. Uh, Famously, he went and took the handle off the pump, people stopped drinking the water from it, and he realised that the cholera was down to dirty water. Right. And this was before it was really understood that that's how that disease could be transmitted through bacteria or anything like that. It was before all of that. But he realised it's the water that was the problem. Mm One thing that was a bit odd, and again, this, this may be an urban myth, but I quite like it as a nice illustration, was that there was one factory in the middle of Soho, right by the water pump, where no one was getting ill. So can you guess what it made?
0: Is it alcohol? It was, It, it yeah. was.
1: How did you get this on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. uh, that's right, it was, it was the brewery, and because they weren't going to drink the water from the pump, they were drinking the beer while they were yeah. working, so they weren't getting sick.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. But again, it's a solution to a problem that we've solved in society anyway <laughs> exactly. through the cleaning yeah. of water yeah. and so on and so forth.
1: And that's it for Booze this week. Thanks again for listening and please get in touch if you have any comments. I'm on Twitter at sousaphone, S-O-O-Z-A-P-H-O-N-E, rather than the instrument. And once again, if you're worried that you drink too much alcohol and you want to cut down or to quit, I've included some links on Acas to places where you can get some help with that. Before I wrap up, I just wanted to mention a really great website I discovered last week called Drugs and Me. It's specifically about harm reduction. So if you're thinking about taking a drug for the first time or you want more information about how to take drugs in the safest possible way, bearing in mind there's always some risk, then it's an extremely useful website and it's really great. So um, I'd really recommend it. It's uh, drugsand.me. So that's the end of episode three. Do come back in two weeks' time when Pip and I will be talking about MDMA. You've been listening to Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr Susie Gage. The music was by Jim Murray and the artwork was by at My Name is Ad. Thanks to Charlie Williams for editing. Say Why to Drugs would not have been possible without the generous support of I'm a Scientist, Get Me Out of Here, the Medical Research Council and Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces Network. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces.
0: There we go. I hope you enjoyed that. I won't do a long outro. As I said, if you did enjoy it, go and delve into Say Why to Drugs, the podcast. It's really good. There's really good discussions and education across all of it. So yeah, it's a good binge. It's good to recommend to people. It's good to listen if you're thinking of doing drugs. It's good to pass on to kids to educate them about drugs because drugs ain't going away. You know, and I think education is the best route rather than fear mongering or whatever else because that don't work you know in my opinion anyway i'll be back on wednesday with an amazing chat with loki it's going to blow your minds until then stay sane and stay safe